radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is episode 47, recorded on Friday, September 3rd from Milwaukee. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And on today's episode, we talked to school board president Michael Johnson to discuss the rising tensions surrounding local school boards around the country. But first, the headlines. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. Oh, what a week for headlines, Joe. Uh, now, granted, here's the thing. We had an interview scheduled, so we intentionally didn't want to have our headline section be too rough or too like detailed. And then there was one thing that kind of stood out from all there, so it didn't matter whether or not anything else happened this week because we had some big news. Yes, coming out of Texas. Trying to become the worst state of the entire country. Going for the gold. So they passed many laws that took effect on September 1st. 666, to be specific. Auspicious number. I'm surprised they didn't just add one, the Christian conservatives there, just to not have it be 666. You know, like you don't have a 13th floor on the hotel. Sure. That sort of thing. So why don't you walk us through some of the laws, and then we'll get to the one that everyone knows we're going to get to. Sure. Sounds good. Before we do this, we need to understand that this came out of a very heavily conservative legislator out in Texas. So we have a lot of conservative priorities that passed. So when we talk about these things, you may have heard like probably some headlines about this months ago, and now they're finally in effect. Some of these could be from banning critical race theory, which we'll talk about later in the episode with our guest. Felonies for protesters who block roads and hospitals. So even if you try to protest legally, you'll still get a felony because you're in the middle of a road. When I think we covered this a couple months ago, the idea of a permitless carry where you actually don't need a concealed carry permit to carry a gun anymore (laughs) yeah no licensing to carry or own a gun in texas anymore that's crazy the yeehaw state god you could be kidding me a ban on homeless encampments where you can no longer actually have um homeless congregations or congress kind of just filling up a space anymore because they'll just find the city for it here's a good one we got some expanding medical cannabis access that's you're gonna need it not It's not the worst thing in the world coming out of this crazy conservative majority. Well, it's also medical, not recreational. Right. Got some other good ones. I'll have some education credits for veteran services. Okay. Why veterans have to pay for schooling at all? Who knows? Why does anyone have to pay for education? Who knows? And one of my absolute favorites, the Star Stangled Banner Bill, which basically forces all sports stadiums and venues to play the national anthem before any public event. Got to be able to go to the concession stand sometime. That's just, it's so insane though. That's one of the most fascistic things I've ever heard. And this is coming from the party of freedom for God's sakes. Can't wear a mask, but gonna have to stand for that anthem. Right, we're gonna make you play the national anthem. By the way, we're the party of freedom. Go screw yourselves. And of course, the most talked about one right now is the crazy abortion ban. The Texas Heartbeat Bill. Which is just a misleading title to begin with. So it bans abortion providers from performing an abortion at the point that a fetal heartbeat can be detected, which is generally considered to be six weeks yep. after conception, at which point most women don't even know that they're pregnant, and effectively bans 85 to 90% of abortions that are performed in Texas. Thus making this the most restrictive abortion law in the country country not to mention unconstitutional completely unconstitutional but it's law and that's because of our supreme court we'll get to that in a second so let's describe what actually this law does even further so the republicans did a very weird thing with this i'm sure many of you heard where in many abortion cases for example like in mississippi that the supreme court's going to hear on the merits um, i think probably next year where they tried to have an abortion ban after 15 weeks so this is double the six-week abortion ban in texas this is similar Similar to the one that was passed in Ohio, but then was blocked from being put into effect. Correct. So why did this one get through? Well, because 
The state isn't the one enforcing the law according to the law itself. The state is asking private citizens to enforce the law. That's right. We got vigilante justice up in here because again, the yeehaw state. It is Texas. It is Texas. According to the bill, civilians are encouraged to sue anyone who they feel who have gotten an abortion. No, not not if you've gotten an abortion. It's if you've abetted an abortion. You can't well, actually sue the person who was the patient or who was the person who had the procedure. But you can sue anyone who works at the facility where they got an abortion, anyone who drove them there, anyone who may have told them where they could get an abortion. You're able, and multiple people are able to sue the same person for the same incident, and the damages start at $10,000. Yeah, it's a minimum of $10,000. So this is a literal bounty on abortion information. And people have already taken to activism for this thing, where you're already seeing, I don't know what I call it, almost like hit lists that are coming out, and they're calling it whistleblower projects, which just makes me so angry, that they're encouraging people from around the country to write people up for potentially getting abortion, and then they're asking, hey, can we sue these people? And, of course, those sites are being trolled mercilessly Thank goodness, as right? they should be. So yes, definitely take the time. Uh, I The one that everyone kept posting, I couldn't even get to, thankfully. But yeah, you if you find one of these sites where you can report people, obviously I'm sure Governor Abbott has had multiple abortions past six weeks uh, in the last three days. So definitely take the time to report him for that and you know try to get your $10,000. So like we said, this is clearly unconstitutional though. There's no way that our Supreme Court was fair and bound up. Oh, they already passed it. They basically decided decided not to take it on because of the cowardly sinister way this law was written so as to not entangle the state in any action the state can't take action against anyone with this law it's meant literally to try to survive legal challenges basically due to standing Correct. So there were lawsuits that were filed immediately by abortion providers, and that was shot down in a five to four decision. Justice John Roberts siding with the three liberal justices and then the five scumbags, uh, including the three that Trump nominated and of course the one stolen seat uh, that went to neil gorsuch all siding to keep the abortion ban in place and to not file an injunction on behalf of the abortion providers uh, because they stated that there was no penalty to them at this stage correct however and here's where it's absolutely insane is that with other abortion bills they did force a stay on these particular things because they wanted to make sure that they got the law correct first like jason said because they actually don't know who to sue here they just said screw it we'll just let it happen and let it go into law until we figure it out in the lower court which by the way could take at minimum three years so we have the country's harshest abortion ban that again no one knows apparently how to actually adjudicate just letting go free for three years that is actually causing damage right now yes abortion providers have stopped providing abortions beyond six weeks yes they have and we have have women who have already had abortions planned and now they can't get them and again this is just it makes me so angry where i was listening to npr today and they're talking about how short of a time six weeks actually is for a woman to know and i think it was oh god what was her name was it nina turner or nina tonberg maybe was talking about or maybe someone else was where they were trying to actually have a baby and they're paying attention to every little bit because they want to have a baby they're having pregnancy tests done because they want to make sure they found out about four weeks four to five weeks in when they're paying attention and the reason why that was is because actually after they had the confirmation where they wanted to go to a doctor and make sure that they were pregnant it was about two to three weeks after that moment however when doctor Doctors actually give you your whole weeks of viability. They take it from the women's last period or missed period per se. So therefore, another couple weeks have gotten tacked on. So whenever someone actually finds out when they're pregnant, it's not only going to be those couple weeks if they get lucky enough to find it by six weeks. It's going to be if they get lucky enough to find it within like a couple weeks because they're going to get a couple weeks added in case they have a missed period. And also you have to actually schedule the procedure and have it done, which takes time. Right. When that's you can't have like any overnight 
abortion clinics that are going to help. That takes a lot of time. And it does not make any exceptions for rape or incest. Nope. There are some very narrowly written exemptions. For medical emergency. Correct. When the mother's life is in danger. But again, it's extremely specific on those cases. So it's very targeted. And in cases of miscarriage, it adds a lot of extra scrutiny and potential for lawsuits because they have to determine that it happened naturally and that the the fetus is in fact deceased. And you can have situations where the, the pregnancy is no longer viable, but there is still a heartbeat. And that causes complications that this law also doesn't provide any sort of guidance on. So there's going to be a lot of danger to women in Texas over this. And it's being championed by the same people who two weeks ago were crying giant crocodile tears about the fate of women in Afghanistan. But they don't care about the fate of women being oppressed by male lawmakers in Texas, in the United States. That shows you the level of hypocrisy and disingenuousness. And I think what makes me even more upset, too, is even more generally, which is the absolute lack of consistency when it comes to the logic of this bill. So they also use language of calling it an unborn child, right? Which is legally like cataclysmic for how bad using that language could be because they have to figure out a whole mess of other things now because that language is actually a part of the law. Is miscarriages considered manslaughter, for example, or for a woman who is pregnant trying to, tries to escape her spouse? is that considered kidnapping that now all has to get fixed because of this stupid language that's happening and what makes it even more oh i hate this whole bill is they consider it an unborn child correct jason like they consider a fetus an unborn child that is a human child yes and they consider abortion murder of that child correct i'm sorry is um is the murder of an actual child worth just ten thousand dollars and something that is only a civil issue right well it, it is biblical i I mean, the Bible says a kid up until five years old, that's just a financial transaction if you kill him. Ugh. So it does have some biblical standing. But it just goes to show that there's absolutely no logical consistency with anything. They don't care about kids in this. They don't actually care about protecting the unborn child, so to speak, because that, if that they was only, the case. Yeah, they only care about births. Right. Well, and again, it's just about limiting the rights of the women to have their reproductive health. That's all this is, because having civil lawsuits for $10,000 doesn't actually punish women like the way they want to for other murderers i mean for god's sakes in some states they still have the death penalty and for here it's just gonna be ten thousand dollars including texas right including texas I, texas is the state that kills mo the most prisoners in the united states and that may lead to the obvious conclusion that many of our listeners have already concluded by now which is this doesn't ban all abortions and this doesn't affect all women equally rich privileged women can still have their abortions they just have to pay up they can still travel outside the state and pay up because they have the money to do so this is going to continue Continue to have the disparity of effects of poor women, women of color, and just overall women who do not have the means to get an abortion or to fend for themselves right now because of any mess of circumstances that may be happening to them. It's sick. And again, it shows how big of a deal the Republicans stealing that Supreme Court seat was. That was the difference in this decision. If that seat, instead of going to Neil Gorsuch, and to Merrick Garland, goes to Merrick Garland, that is a 5-4 decision the other way because John Roberts did side with the liberal block of the Supreme Court. So that, to me, should prompt Joe Biden to get his head out of his ass and start considering packing the Supreme Court. Like I said, I would be in favor of two. Add two, add two of the youngest, most progressive communist judges you can find. And that would make up for the stolen seat. Some people argue for to just give them a majority and give the finger to the conservatives. I'm not sure that I agree with that extreme, but I think two is only just and can be sold as we're correcting a, a crime that was perpetrated upon the country. And if you want to know more about this, because we're not lawyers, we're not legal experts, I highly recommend listening to the recent episode on opening arguments. They did a fantastic deep dive into this and actually gives Jason a lot of evidence for what he just proposed, because what the Supreme Court did was laughable, first and foremost 
almost because that's just insane, but extremely dangerous and completely unprecedented in the entire history of what any legal expert would expect from a Supreme Court. This is irresponsible. So I will link that in the show notes, but just please give that a listen if you want to know how bad, if not worse, well, I mean, than what we of, are talking about right now. If you can bypass constitutional protections, right? Roe v. Wade was the decision there was that abortion was protected by the Constitution. If you can essentially bypass constitutional protections by making it legal for people to sue over perceived transgressions that you do not like. Without a vested interest, by the way. Then what's to stop anybody from saying, well, I don't personally like private gun ownership. $10,000 if I know that you own a gun or you bought a gun or anyone that abetted you in buying a gun. What would happen? That is the same legally as this. And you know, for a fact, Republicans and conservatives alike would lose their freaking minds yes. if we tried anything there like that. There would be open revolt. I, I think they probably use tyranny. Well, you thought January 6th? Was <laughs> no, there would kidding. be millions of people just shooting at the White House at every government building. There would be huge riots. It would be anarchy. But it, it's women's rights, so it's really up to the men to decide what to do. I'm so furious with this whole thing, and you should be too. Especially this comes at a time when Democrats are in control of the presidency, the House, and the Senate. But we can't do anything because we still have the filibuster. And Joe Manchin, by the way, said he wouldn't vote for the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. Oh, great. That's fantastic. So we can't even get a reconciliation bill passed for infrastructure, which everyone approves of, yet we're going to have this crap happen during yep, the Biden but administration. But now abortion is effectively illegal in Texas. And get ready, because now that it worked, you're going to start seeing the same legislation being crafted in states all around the country. It's already being proposed in Florida and South Dakota. I'm sure we're going to see one very soon in Wisconsin. Luckily, it won't pass because our government will veto it. Correct. But it doesn't mean they're not going to try. And then, heck, what happens if Tony Evers loses? Then what? Yeah, you'll certainly hear this is, us talking this about- This will always <laughs> be on the docket now. Yeah, it's, where a, if we, it's if, always an option. Right. If we ever lose the governorship again, we will then have abortion officially banned in Wisconsin. Yes. Well, that will become, hopefully, ammunition that Democrat candidates use. <sighs> I don't- I wish it wouldn't be. I mean, this is something that conservatives have been trying to do for 50 years. And they did it in the most sleazy, underhanded, cowardly, dishonest way possible. Well, you know what the worst part is? During that opening argument segment, they talk about a provision in the bill that says appropriate or inappropriate defenses to breaking this law. And one of them was referencing or citing Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Because as of right now, that is the standing law. And they said in the bill, I'm going to have to paraphrase, I'm going to paraphrase it badly because again, I don't have it in front of me. I'm not a legal expert to interpret it. But basically, they said that defendants cannot use those rulings as a defense if those rulings are overturned during the time period that this whole thing is getting sorted out in the courts, again, which could take multiple years. So they're definitely kind of winking and nodding at the possibility of that happening. Exactly. And the only conclusion that the opening arguments host could come out to was that there's some kind of plan in place that's going to overturn it on the Supreme Court level. And then by then... It's game over. This is bad. This is really bad. This was always the nightmare scenario. This is why I'm sorry Ruth Bader Ginsburg needed to retire yeah. during Obama's first term. And this is why Stephen Breyer needs to retire now. Because we're not talking about a party that's going to play nice and do things as we expect, as, as have always been done. This was done in such an underhanded way to avoid legal scrutiny on purpose mm -hmm. to get the outcome that we're in now. Well, and I'm absolutely sick where you have the rhetoric of people saying, well, the liberals are the ones who are the activists and the conservative ones are the ones who are calling balls and strikes. They're the fair ones. Clearly not. This is the worst overstepping of their bounds as we can think of it right now. Like, I don't even know what to do anymore if we don't have any type of common idea of what our laws are supposed to mean. If we can just go around them this way, then like you said, then what's the purpose of this? It, it essentially gives a way to bypass any legal protections that you have. Freedom of speech, 
speech. Like I said, uh, the right to bear arms, which to me, the interpretation of that is just ridiculous anyway. But it doesn't matter if you can just bypass everything and leave it to a civil lawsuit to decide, then nothing. There's no point in any laws. Well, let's not kid ourselves here because... They're not going to follow precedent with this. That's why they left it unsigned. That's why they left it on the shadow docket. There is no ruling on any of this because they didn't want to have any precedent set. So when it comes time for the Democrats to say, well, we're going to do the same thing with guns, they say, nah, go screw yourselves. We don't care about being consistent. This is about power. This is a game we're playing here. You're losing. We got nothing. We got beat hard. And now women are going to pay for it big time. So what can we even do about this? Just let's brainstorm a couple ideas. What can we even do? Uh, Get vasectomies. Sure. I meant more on a broader level, but okay. Well, like I said, pack the courts, elect my ideas for two. I know a lot of people are pushing for, I don't care, 400 justices. Again, it doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution how many Supreme Court justices there needs to be. The number has fluctuated over the years. I mean, I agree. I just, I don't know. Pass legislation, which we'd never be able to pass. Because we have to get rid of the filibuster. I'm getting more depressed as we talk about this. I shouldn't have brought that question, but we're going to do. <sighs> I'll say it again. I'll say it forever. Elections have consequences. They really do. And we're seeing the full fruits of the 2016 election, even well after Trump is gone. Sacrifice all of the forced births in Texas to Satan so that uh, Clarence Thomas and Alito uh, die in their sleep. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm just no, that would be a bill. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much that we can do except to push against this to make it known that this is not a popular decision that the majority of americans want access to abortion that reproductive rights are human rights and that any lawmakers that are involved in these types of bills are going to be voted out i think that's the only thing that we can do right now if they propose something like this in wisconsin we need to start actually holding the legislatures accountable And in more depressing news, shocking neither of these two hosts, religion does not make you a better person. I think our last story proved that. No kidding. But for this headline, Christian Schools says parents can write medical mask exemptions for their kids. Because Jesus said so. North Point Christian Schools in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who boasts regularly that they have a 100% Christian staff, told parents in an urgent school board meeting after the state passed a um, recent mask mandate in schools that parents were allowed to write medical exemptions for their own kids, even though they do not have an actual doctor's excuse or any real medical reason whatsoever. And this is, of course, just patently illegal. And if it weren't intertwined with religion, would not even be an option. Be like, yeah, go ahead, do it. And you're going to end up in jail or at least with a heavy fine and your kid will be wearing a mask. But of course, because it's linked to religious belief, lawmakers are terrified of doing anything about this and when asked to comment on this school blatantly flaunting the law in the state they were very very hesitant to comment at all and basically said well we'll have to see we'll have to have our lawyers look into it a quote from the board themselves saying as a school we believe that no one knows i'm sorry this also comes from much prayerful thought and consideration so let's start with that first as a school we believe that no one knows what their child needs physically spiritually, socially, and emotionally better than their parents. I disagree with that already. You know, the whole idea of the famous song, parents just don't understand. Well, again, it's then you can't have any vaccine requirements. You can't have any, any basis for any regulation at all. If it's, well, parents know best when it comes to their kids. Well, then why do they have to be in school at all? Isn't that a law? Isn't that regulation? What if you know better? They go on to say, that is why you chose North Point Christian Schools. North Point Christian will enact the KCHD mask order, that's the public one, but will also accept a parent's or guardian's written representation stating that your child is not wearing a face covering because they cannot medically tolerate a face covering. This includes a consideration for a child's mental health. I'm so done with conservative, especially religious people who have the littlest understanding of mental health issues, using mental health as an excuse to get out of any responsibility for anything. Well, again, we talked about the Supreme Court quite a lot. The Supreme Court has constantly favored religious exemptions to every law, even when public health is involved. Look at the synagogues in New York City that could not be shut down during the pandemic. 
Well, it just goes to show that at every moment with this pandemic, and we hear that all the time, the moral pandering from the religious right, where, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself, the whole golden rule thing means nothing. They don't care at all about actually helping anyone else except themselves. And again, why are we trying to treat religion as a special thing anymore? Because it's clear showing that it's a hindrance on every single aspect when we try to actually make this country better and safer for people involved. I'm not saying we need to persecute anybody. I'm not saying we need to outlaw religion, but man, like as a people and as a population, we need to be really skeptical when anyone invokes any religion into whatever their political speech is, because this is atrocious. Well, it boils down to separation of church and state, which I am 100% for. Well, and this is legal. This is a private school. It still pisses me off, though. Well, they shouldn't be allowed to disregard state law. I mean, you're right. So, I mean, I get they're a private school, but there's still laws. You still have to have the, I always bring this up as an example, but the workers in the cafeteria are still bound by state laws when it comes to ha- having a sanitary kitchen and washing their hands and everything else. You, you can't just say, well, we're, we we prayed on it and we decided that you don't have to. So why is it allowed in this case? Again, it's because they're terrified of going against a religious school who's going to proclaim religious beliefs and the courts have always shown they'll back that. Mm-hmm. As long as it's Christian. Well, and doesn't I kind of be clear about that. Well, it doesn't matter how crazy and nonsensical it is, too. They'll black it. That's it. Game over. We've seen it multiple times with the pandemic already. <sighs> and we'll finish it up with a little bit of good news. You know, I actually didn't mean to put so many school board related stories in our school board related <laughs> episode, but I guess it works it out. It works out. So we'll, we'll end the news with a little bit uh, of an update. Last week, we told you the Waukesha School District was the only school district in the state to end the universal free meal program because they're terrible (laughs) because people were going to get spoiled and addicted to you know food so after the protest that went on last week they had uh, their next meeting and the school board reversed their decision originally when they had decided to stop the universal free meal program it was a nine to nothing unanimous decision five members have changed their mind and so they decided to opt back into the program with a five to four split decision so they barely did the right thing barely karen uh doubled down on the spoiled comments and said that she herself felt that she was being spoiled with her kids having free lunch now i have a solution for karen i don't know how many kids she has i assume it's more than a couple but for every child you have what's lunch about five dollars a day something like that so a hundred dollars a month we'll say for every child and you don't want yourself to be spoiled by getting free lunch and having that money available to spend that's somehow spoiling you because you're an idiot but in order to save yourself from the money what you need to do karen is take per child a hundred dollars a month and donate it to a local food pantry that will save you from the the spoil the the corruption of the money and will actually help feed other people in your community who might not be as fortunate as you are i mean she probably think the people who go to the food pantry are being spoiled <laughs> also too. spoiled yeah with the food all the free food they're getting Ooh, or you know just crawl in a hole and die that's oh, the other solution i think <laughs> oh my god uh but either way i'm good but there's there's other things than taking food away from hungry children so this is good news at least a very 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 tiny silver lining in the midst of all this bleak horribleness that was really a pr- productive segment wasn't it it's hard to get any word in with this clown With the school year beginning once again, tensions over how schools are coming back into session is once again increasing. However, this is unlike anything we've actually ever seen before, at least in my lifetime. Across the country, you're seeing school board meetings getting violent and vitriolic all throughout the country, leading to a mass exodus of school board members who are quitting because of all these rising tensions and even dangerous times for some people. It's actually gotten so bad in Wisconsin that the Wisconsin DOJ actually warned people to not get too dangerous when it comes to school board meetings and that criminal charges will be filed if they gets too out of control. We also talked about in a previous episode where policies to protect trans students got so bad in vitriol that someone was actually arrested before, which by the way, Jason, if you didn't know, they actually just passed that policy now. And it's still being attacked on um, conservative news outlets for being an attack on freedom of speech. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And I don't know about you, Jason, but I have absolutely no idea what to do about this. So this is why we brought on a special guest today. Michael Johnson is a public school teacher and is going on his fourth year 
serving on the Cudahy School Board in Wisconsin, where he's currently serving as the president of the board. And we brought him on to really give the perspective of a school board president and leader to show us what it's like and how it's affecting school board members today. So, Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, Joe. Good. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, of course. It's our pleasure. Always welcome. So I think, I think before we even get started on all the issues, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into education, and then why you actually started getting into running for your school board seat? Absolutely. Yes. It's kind of a funny story. I started uh, teaching English as a second language back in Taiwan. A little while later, got married to a Canadian, moved up to northern Canada, and after a gentleman uh, hit a moose, oddly enough, sad, but kind of funny. I ended up uh, substitute teaching for him long term. And I found that I really loved teaching. And we, when we moved back to south side of Milwaukee, I decided that uh, I needed to find a way to get into teaching. Eventually, you know, did a little bit of subbing. Eventually started teaching younger kids at first. But I found my real passion is middle, uh, middle school special ed specifically. The kids uh, are a little bit cheeky, find that enjoyable, whereas most may not. But that, seeing how, how it's treated and seeing how policies really negatively affect how the school is run, I really thought that I could uh, start to help out, make some changes in my own hometown. So I work in a different district, but I, I live here in Cudahy, and so I started attending school board meetings, which I recommend more and more people do. Educate yourself, understand what's going on, and then I, I decided to run not long, not long after that. Now, would you be comfortable with calling yourself a progressive? Absolutely. Yes. I would say I'm a progressive Democrat and I don't feel any shame in that. I do like the fact, though, that I have support generally speaking from both sides of the aisle. People who, even though they may have a Trump supporter uh, sign in their front yard, add their support as well because they understand that I'm also a fiscally responsible individual in general. All too often, I think that progressives and Democrats in general are, are seen as not financially uh, responsible. I, I try to make sure that that's very clear that that's high priority. Well, it's not like Republicans are very financially responsible when they get into <laughs> office anyway. So. No, I agree. I agree. But somehow they got labeled as a responsible one uh, by <laughs> well, uh, most other other conservatives is what I've noticed. <laughs> well, and okay. So I remember you telling me the story a while back, how you actually got the support, even as a progressive. And now correct me if I'm wrong, you actually didn't like run as a progressive for your school board. You just ran as like a nonpartisan school board seat, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All, all local School boards and city seats are all completely uh, non-political. And that's one of my favorite parts about it because for the first few years, I worked on a board where, you know, like we had everybody. We had some um, pretty far out lefties. We had far out righties and a bunch of people in between. And we all got, we got along for one, for the most part, and we were able to get things done and move the city along. We were able to make all day 4K program and stuff like that. So, you know, I think that this will help out students and also teachers that matter. So that was one of my questions is, is this attention in the media that we're seeing actually real? Is this the way things always were and now it's just getting coverage? Or is this really now what we're seeing with first critical race? theory, now masks, basically the culture wars moving to the school boards. Is that something new? So basically you're asking, are things actually getting worse when it comes to like the school board politics and stuff? Correct. Is the vitriol, the the more focus on that, on the, the cultural issues in school boards, is that something different or has it always been there? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I would definitely say that the vitriol and the distrust is has grown substantially. And it might have been boiling underneath the, you know, like under like where we could not see it for quite some time. It is possible, right? We because you keep on I kept on hearing it when I would go around, make sure that we're teaching kids how to read and 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 so many parents and and even general uh, community members they see test scores and they think, oh my God, only 30% of our kids know how to read. That's not quite what those test scores mean. So people would see all this stuff and just start to get angry. And I think we all can agree that that more and more people are just so much angrier than they ever used to. And that that alone, I think, is part of it. But then you also have these very extremist think tanks starting to feed misinformation. They sow doubt and discord with people that follow them. 
And then they, those people, some of which are on the board and or other boards for that matter, or even in city hall, and they take that negative belief system or and negative you know, misinformation and they bring that into their decision making process. And it's been pretty awful for the most part. Like we literally are not seeing the same information in the same way at all. Right. Like with masks alone, you know, people here, one or two people get really upset because maybe their kid does have a legitimate reason that is causing them to have problems wearing a, a, a typical cloth mask. But we're willing to work with them. But the these right wing, you know, uh, groups, they blow things out of proportion to the degree where, oh, you're not going to let my kid go to school if uh, we wear if, if we won't wear a mask. No, that's not what we said. You know, we have a district nurse who works really well with our families who have kids maybe with special needs or maybe with breathing problems uh, could be even asthma to some degree and we just work with those kids I mean I do that I'm a special ed teacher I have kids who have a hard time wearing a mask and we we talk about things and we remind each other in a polite way we try to use humor as best possible but yeah right now with the masking with CRT I mean the whole CRT thing alone is really well viewed if you just replace it with hot lava as one round. <laughs> like, don't let hot lava get into our class. It is so brilliant whoever came up with that idea in the first place. It's so obvious that, you know, like, CRT is not in our class. But then, well, and- you know distrust is just bad, right? Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So, well, for me, at least, and both of you can probably correct me if I'm wrong here, even though this is very bad and we're seeing a lot of vitriol here, I'm seeing a general panic to other types of moral panics throughout the decades. Now, granted, Michael, you're not, you haven't been a school board member forever, but you have been a school teacher for a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. My big thing is like, is this any similar for what we can see? Now, Grant, I know you're not this old, so I, don't worry, but like, <laughs> is this similar to what we're seeing back with like the satanic panic where back when people were accusing public school teachers of indoctrinating kids into Satanism, or even just more recently, we have the moral panics with LGBT people coming out and same-sex marriage coming around, or even evolution, where I don't know if you had any people who are freaking out about um, the teachers teaching evolution in our schools. Is this different than any of those other moral panics? Or is this just the same thing or same emotion, just with another label attached to it? Yeah, that's a, that's also a really good insight. I, I would say there's one difference. There are similar you know, similar beliefs, right? You know, like people who don't want evolution to be taught to their kids are going to be the same kids who don't want LGBTQ uh, groups within schools are same people who are going to be anti-CRT, even though there's no such thing in our, in our, in our school district as well. The, they're all very similar groups, right? But the difference is, is that now you have the right-wing think tanks that seem to be pushing it and that in working in tandem with social media that does not correct misinformation and probably can't even do it as well as it probably should be able to correct misinformation. Um, and that that spreads like wildfire. So one little lie becomes this egregious problem that has to be stamped out. Like my favorite. Seen, oh, go ahead. I've certainly seen in the the videos that have gone viral of the school board meetings. <laughs> in multiple of, of those videos, I've seen people say that if you get the vaccine, that you become magnetic. It's the silliest conspiracy theory, but yet I've seen that presented at multiple school board meetings now. Well, what's even worse is that um, they're following scripts half the time too, where they actually get these mm-hmm. scripts from like Facebook groups or Facebook influencers, and they're just reading them almost verbally. Verbatim. That is a hundred percent true, and we we don't necessarily see that in Cudahy to that degree, but we do have a lot of people that try to make claims like we don't know what masks have, will do to our kid. That I mean, that is probably arguably the the silliest concern that I've ever heard. Right? Like, what do you mean? What will masks do to our kids? My daughter is seven; she wears a mask uh, wherever she goes. To a wood shop, no apparently, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> just it doesn't make sense and so i think that that is that is a problem in and of itself so maybe we start turning back to what's been happening in cudahy Mm -hmm. so i know there's been a lot of tensions around a new superintendent that cudahy got i've met her she's very cool um Mm -hmm. but i i know a lot of people who are not very fond of her because she's again kind of more progressive and is trying to move cudahy in a good direction and people don't like that so 
Can you tell us a little bit what, what, what's going on with the tensions with your new superintendent and like how you're handling that right now? Yeah, that's true. I, the, the, the first thing, though, I would like to kind of clarify is that by far and large, everyone that I have spoken to, for the most part, loves her. Like things that, you know, she is one of the best superintendents that we've had in Cudahy in a long time. Oh, good. And that not to say anything too. negative about past, uh, past by any means, but just focusing on positive with her. She's been able to just build on what she's done in the past in terms of getting people to work together to be able to solve problems. And I, I really appreciate that. I've had so many people come up to me and say, you know what, that new superintendent is doing such a great job. You know, I see that the staff is already happier the staff is working together better and all sorts of different things. And so, I mean, there is that, but there are some people and particularly on our school board who just refuse to do anything that she recommends thinking that she does not have what it takes to become superintendent in the first place, which is pretty silly. I mean, she has her doctorate in education and, you know, from Harvard, nonetheless, she's written a book, she's run a school, she opened a school and then ran that school, by the way. Uh, she's taught prior to that. So, I mean, she's done it all, quite frankly. And it's really frustrating when people just refuse to recognize what she's been able to do. That actually, I mean, that makes me feel a little bit better. I thought it was going to be a lot worse answer than that. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of okay. I mean, we're always going to have the crazies no matter what. And I think that kind of also goes back to even what Jason asked earlier on, where it's like, has this always happened? Because I'm sure there's always been crazies skulking around school board meetings to just causing a havoc no matter what. I, I, I would not doubt that. I have not seen that prior to this past year, though. I will be honest with that. I've not seen anyone come to the school board meeting except for when we had to look into possibly closing down the school. And then you get a lot of people out, which is fair. I think that that's at least a good thing. Okay. So well, let's talk about some of the recent school board meetings that has happened that you've, well, that you may consider controversial. I know I do, at least. Right. One one was definitely concerning like school funding, a recent res- um, referendum that passed, and how you guys were going to eventually close the school down. The other one was about social studies books in the school, which caused a weird amount of controversy all throughout the area. True, very true. Uh, first off, the one, the first thing, the referendum that happened a couple of years ago, um, and then the subsequent uh, needing of like trying to close down the school. Our numbers are just not there, and people just did not understand that. And I think a lot of people just don't understand how the funding mechanism works. We did have a lot of people getting really upset at first, but after sitting people down and talking about how, well, yes, we were going to close down our middle school, it was going to shift over to the high school, and here, here are the benefits for that. It took a lot of convincing and you know talking through with the community, lots of Saturday morning meetings, drinking coffee. But it was helpful, quite frankly, in the long run, because people started to understand what was really going on. So I, I, I appreciate both. not no one really got like wildly upset when they see saying like up on the top. Our administration is is so slim as it is. There's really no room to chop from the top, even though we've made a few cuts. But the CRT issue that that was the one that really took me by surprise. There's a, a certain person in our community who wants to run for school board in the future. Uh, has been active in politics in the past and Western, and started drumming up all this nonsense about CRT, just being an echo chamber for you know the right wing groups that are, are talking kind of their people into voting for conservatives into the school board. But with that information, and we were just trying to adopt elementary, this is A through fifth grade, kindergarten through fifth grade, elementary textbook. And there's nothing CRT about them. There's no legal studies whatsoever. And and to get down to the point, people that are talking about CRT a lot of times are what they're really saying is they don't want to have you know information on there about black and white people how what our kind of our past has been uh, not so nice past has been and lgbtq plus uh, concerns all that stuff and so that's really what they're saying they don't want to see gay people in our text or they don't want to see black people in our textbook uh, for you know in any way shape or form they don't want to they don't want someone say like uh maybe nixon being replaced by Martin Luther King, something to that effect. And maybe that's not even the best example, but those are the people, um, these people are, that's what they're talking about. Really. It certainly and, don't want any teaching of the history of slavery, that civil yes. rights was a struggle, anything to do with right. diversity or <laughs> inclusion, any language like that automatically gets yes. labeled critical race theory. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Or Jim Crow or anything to that effect. Which and so, yes. I was like, well, which isn't critical race theory. That's the big 
big issue no. here is that right. we have people who are just pushing it so hard that they don't even know what it means. Right, right. And when you ask them, they can't answer or refuse to answer because they probably, it's safe to assume that they probably can. That that's does what's lead pressure. into my super serious question. Mm-hmm. Are you teaching critical race theory to kindergartners <laughs> and making the white children cry? <laughs> It better Absolutely be yes. not. I say, if you're a progressive, it better be yes. I want all the white <laughs> kindergartners to cry. Well, when someone first asked me this, when they first asked me, are we putting uh, CRT in the classrooms? And then I asked them what that meant because I had not heard of it before. I had heard of critical theory, but not critically. And this was during the election, last election. And what, do you, what does that mean to you? And it's, oh, it basically teaches people that hate America and hate white people. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, why dude. would you, why would I want someone, I mean, look at me, I'm a white 43 year old male. Why would I want anyone to hate me? <laughs> like, why would I teach our kids to hate me? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> so absolutely not. I am. <laughs> well, now I'm disappointed. <laughs> Sorry. I'm still progressive. I, I do believe that we should. Uh, <laughs> no, but, no um, but even just going back to the social studies books, I remember there were issues. I'm not even dealing with just critical race theory, but there mm-hmm. were people saying that like it wasn't actual history being taught in them. And oh. I think there were issues with people like Ellen DeGeneres being in the book. Yes, that is correct. Why, and uh, why was that an issue that Ellen DeGeneres was in a social studies book? As was stated by uh, one of our one of our uh, community members, how are we going to answer the question about you know who is their who, who their wife is? And by with that, I could not respond because it's a one way communication. Right. But I can respond now. You just say that no, she's married to another woman. And that scares people for some reason around around. You just Not turned very many listeners gay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I just couldn't believe, like, I didn't get why people would be so offended by that. But that's, that is what it is. And also, it's not social studies, as we all know, isn't just teaching history, right? It's teaching economics, it's teaching social development and history. And it's, it's a whole, it's a whole collective, if you will, not just, not just history. And so when we, you know, people that you should know, yeah, you should know who Ellen DeGeneres is. You know, first uh, person, you know, I believe the first female first actress openly, who yeah. came out as gay, right? Yep, Am I wrong openly, on that? Yep, first openly lesbian actress to come on TV. Right. And I, Which I just again is literally me, history. <laughs> right, right. That's I don't get why that's a, such a scary thing to people. And then I can't think of the name. I, my father would kill me. I know he loves uh, this uh, particular uh, singer, but she's a 1980s Cuban-American singer. And she was also one person that was pointed out, like, why is she important? You know, it's just, to me, that is that is important. We have a pretty large Cuban-American population in this country. And I think that that also should be celebrated. Very strange. Anything that includes diversity, as we were saying, it's all critical race theory, even if it has nothing to do with race. But then do, I just don't want to be super cynical of everybody but do we think that we just are not as advanced in our ideologies or in our mindsets within this society yet where there's just so many times where i think we should be better than this we should be more moral we should be smarter than this and we're just not am i just wrong if i could and i don't want to jump in on this uh if you have something to say too jason i apologize but i would like to say that i think most people are good and decent people and i think that if you ask them directly like do you have a problem with gay marriage most people are still now going to say that's not a problem. But I think that they get confused because they don't have the time or the energy half the time when to go out and find out the actual you know facts of the issue half the time. So they go out and they hear something on their talk radio on their way home, and then they get upset about it almost immediately without you know going in and finding out if it's true or if it's just one person's opinion. But when you sit down with them and you talk with them about it, most people are very rational and reasonable. And they're like, oh, I don't have a problem with that. That's your issue. That's that. That's the issue that they're concerned about. Oh, that's weird. So most people I, that I've dealt with, at least, and worked with and talked to, they don't have they don't have those issues whatsoever. Just this small group of people. And some of the board members I used to work with, they used to say it's like the old crew in, in, in Cudahy. It's the old group of people that, that just want to stick to their old 
old ways. And I think that there's some truth to that. I think we all long for like simpler times and everything else, right? Or what we remember to be simpler times at least. And I think that that, that urge and that that want that's there tends to push people into just whole heading in that direction, even though it wasn't necessarily simpler time for everybody. And I think well, that that's the essence of conservatism, right? Yes. You're trying yeah, to 100%. That. And there is also, I would say, a certain extra level that gets added to that when it comes to children. I don't have any kids, but mm-hmm. that like irrationality tends to ratchet up when they're like, yeah, okay, I would be fine with gay marriage. I don't care if people want to get married, but don't say it to my kids. It's yes, kind of, that's, that's yeah, a very good point. It's the purity politics of it all. I mean, there's it's literally a meme of, you know, think about the children. <laughs> Yep. So right. what, what have you guys done then to try to persuade or reach out to these people, especially the skeptical ones? And has anything worked? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, I'm already concerned by that response. <laughs> I mean, some things have worked, right? So the mass part, I don't know if anything will work until people just see that it works. And then people will have to then kind of find out how they're going to rectify their belief systems. But when it comes to CRT and the textbooks and stuff like that, we literally did everything we possibly could. Anybody could have come into the district office, any community member, go into the district office and be able to look at any book that they would like. And then any family member, they had a temporary password and uh, username for the textbooks online. So they were allowed to go in and take a look at the book all day long. And so that that's the issue. It's like they, they had every chance of doing, looking at it ahead of time. Our board had all the time in the world. I looked at it, looked at not all of the textbooks, I'll be 100% honest, on about three or four and several chapters in three or four different uh, you know textbooks. And it's just really innocent and I would say fairly conservative even, I would say for, for or a textbook. I mean, they are often written uh, down in Texas anyways. So, you know, they, they aren't exactly going to be as progressive as even I might like them to be. So, well, I think you know, the ones is, you grabbed were, were McGraw-Hill, weren't they? That is correct. And that it's is exactly a Texas correct. company, I think it is. Yeah. Other issues, at least for, I've had other issues with some of their other textbooks because it's just been so watered down. And again, like you said, conservative. Right, right. Like too, too, way too far of a degree. Now, now, now I would say they're probably still right of center, but you know, it's an improvement. And, you know, I think that people are just scared of change in general. So what have you heard from teachers then? And not even just ones in the district that you're serving in, but even at your other job where you are a teacher yourself, have you Mm -hmm. heard any of these same issues? Are you hearing just frustrations or what's going on with actual teachers? No, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, because, you know, my teaching job is in Milwaukee, whereas, I mean, it's a very left of center, very fairly (laughs) progressive sort of uh, city as much as be at least as of right now. But most people are not going to be concerned if we are talking about race and ethnicity and LGBTQ plus issues. Like that's just part of the norm. I mean, you literally have probably in my in my school alone, we're close to 50% Hispanic and uh, the rest, you know, mostly white and black, and then some Asian, Native American, other groups and so forth. But it's yeah, I mean that's it's a completely different sort of situation. But yeah, teachers aren't really afraid here, but I think that if when they hear the stuff that was going on at the state level, you know, some of the ideas that they were kind of throwing around about not allowing us to discuss race sounded strange to everybody. I mean, you wouldn't be able to talk about anything <laughs> in social studies half the time. You wouldn't be able to talk about slavery, and that's just ridiculous. You yeah, I, imagine, be able to- <laughs> I imagine the, the just to get back to my condolences for you working in Milwaukee, I imagine there <laughs> the biggest issue is funding, um, which is where my condolences lie, uh, having gone through the Milwaukee school system myself. Yes, yes. And my condolences, uh, especially if you went through a school that was underfunded, like the school that I work at, because of private funding, we get quite a bit of that. So we are okay. Not good, but we're okay. Um, we're not nearly as fun- well funded as any uh, suburban school by any means. But mm-hmm. the, yeah, I agree. The funding at the at MPS is, is terrible. The funding, the way we do funding in general is just ridiculous you know if it's mostly based off of property taxes and then equalization aid is 
not really anywhere near where it needs to be. And special education funding is nowhere near less than 30% of what it's supposed to be. So it's just kind of just frustrating, to say the least. Uh, the poorest schools, the poorest neighborhoods get the poorest schools. And they're the usually families that, that need the, the best schools possible. No, it just does not make Now, we were kind of getting into COVID uh, and the issues with schools starting up here. Now, recently, the Cudahy School District did vote to mandate masks, uh, which, of course, you were a part of that. Uh, could you sure. tell us kind of how that discussion went? Yes. Yeah, that was... That was interesting. So in the past, when we had the mask mandate for the prior year, um, it was uh, based on a four to three vote. So it was kind of a, it was always a tense issue, right? But there was, wasn't a lot of debate or argument until we relaxed our mask mandate over the summer. You know, after following CDC guidelines, we COVID felt numbers okay. were way down. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly right. We went, we followed the, we follow the science, right? So science tells us, okay. You lift up your mask. Oh, uh, numbers are going shooting through the roof. This Delta variant actually affects way more kids than uh, the original stuff did. This is a big problem. Okay, man, mask mandate comes back. And there are a lot of people that were dead set against it. Like I was kind of touching on before with some people that just have kids with, you know, serious and honest uh, problems, you know, like uh, with wearing masks and so forth, right? So sensory issues and that kind of thing. But we're willing to work with them, but no problem whatsoever. But if you're just going to refuse to wear a mask just for no reason whatsoever, then sorry, we're we're going to ask you, yeah, you, you can go somewhere else. But that's also very few and far between. I think we've had maybe three groups, spots that uh, said no, no thank you, we'll go elsewhere. For the most part, we've had an overwhelming group of people say yes, please. And so, and we will revisit it in November. That was part of the motion that was uh, you know, put down. And I have no problem with that so long as we continue to follow the signs. So I was actually a little bit surprised by the vote, uh, be, have, having it been always four to three. Now, having it been six to one, I was actually quite happy with that. Mm -hmm. I do suspect, though, that it was in front of a camera. Uh, TMJ4, I believe, was there. So I think that some people might have, you know, felt a little bit of pressure to do the right thing. Or maybe people also had experience, uh, you know, sometime in the past month with a loved one catching COVID or catching a new variant. And, you know, that could also push someone to do the right thing as well. And as you kind of touched upon as well, the recent COVID data in Wisconsin is showing that the infection rates among 10 to 19 year olds and even those under 10 is mm -hmm. rising at the same rate as it is for other age groups during this recent spike. And that is a change from the previous spikes where those younger age groups did not raise nearly at the same rate. Say they're, they're mostly unaffected during right. the initial spikes. Right. So with that information in mind and the reluctance seemingly by the majority of people, unfortunately, to adopt any additional public health safety measures. Does that cause you any concern as the school year begins with in-person learning? I would really like to see the state have a mask mandate, but I think that that back and forth with, you know, the Supreme Court or, you know, the state legislature trying to push it out constantly or, you know, negating it at some one at one point in time or another. I think that that back and forth just became so tiring uh, for him. I don't know. I don't want to speak for anyone, but that's just my guess. I don't. I have concerns that we're going to still have pretty bad outbreaks with the Delta variant. As you said, you know, like it, the numbers speak for themselves. Last year, kids in that age range, 10 to 19, counted for I believe only 8% of all cases. This year it's 22%. So it's more than double, you know, 150% fold. So that's that's a huge concern of mine. And while kids and others may not necessarily die from this, and I hope that no kid dies and no human dies for that matter, the the bigger concern almost is the fact that so many people have the long COVID symptoms, a third, third of adults and a third of kids as well, mm -hmm. uh, tend to have long COVID symptoms. And that's, that's of grave concern to me. I, I do worry about that. We keep a pretty tight eye on it in Idaho. We're looking around and we're trying to make sure that we have enough people doing uh, all the contact tracing and all that fun stuff, which is not easy because everybody is already you know, 
at their wits end, trying to keep track of their own daily duties as well. To add that on top of it, it makes them feel like they can't even do their, their regular job. So you might have to bring other people in. We'll see. And what do you think the reaction would be if the COVID numbers continue on their current trajectory? Like it looks like we're heading for a big spike. What do you think would happen if that were the case? Right. That's a great question. I, I hope we don't have to go virtual. I really, really hope so. I think that in the near future, we have so much outdoor space. I would like to see more outdoor classes if possible, but I don't I don't ever want to go virtual. I don't think anybody does. Not conducive for most kids to learn, but if that's what we need to do in order to keep safe, then we follow the science. So that's frustrating, but I hope that our community sticks together. Like last year, we were in person the entire year and we had very little spread within the school. Most spread came from the community or from a couple of sports teams as well. And that does happen, you know, but most spread was pretty limited. But now we have almost twice the number of kids in school. And that that is where my concern is too. So uh, we'll, we'll just kind of have to do a wait and see approach. And if we start seeing grave spread, then we have to shut down parts of the school and, and figure things out. So I think kind of to wrap things up here, I might have two more questions for you, Michael. Two, yeah. first, first one, this is kind of more personal, but I guess you can also expand it generally as well. With things getting as bad as they are right now, with as tense as they are with school boards and school board meetings, I know at least for a fact you and I have seen some of our other friends not get reelected as far as school boards go. We're seeing mm-hmm. just um, turnover going all over the place, whether it's by resignation or they're actually getting voted out. So do you think you're in any danger of getting voted up because you're a very pro-science and progressive individual? And what do we even do about this if you and other very rational school board members are? That's a really good question. I think that the number one thing that I have to do in order to make sure that I continue being able to you know, lead in this community is to be in touch with people from every, every end of the political spectrum and be able to have those conversations being available, being open and transparent and being continuing to be honest. I have a pretty good name for myself in today, at least amongst most people. Most people recognize that I, I just, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. Yeah tell you exactly how I see things. And if you disagree, I'll listen to you. Um, if you start telling me lies, things that I know to not be true, I might not listen as, as uh, intently. I'm going to be honest with that too. But yeah, I think that I, I'm not worried about my position, just mostly because of the fact that I still have over two and a half years left on my term. But I know that there's been some some uh, people saying, oh, we're going to recall these people. But we hear that a lot. And we even have heard that. I've said that about, you know, at least one or two uh, different uh, candidates or elected officials at some point in time in my life. Trump being one of them, I'm sure I said that at least three or four times per day (laughs) while he was in uh, in office. But most people aren't going to be able to do any of that. And also, Cudahy is a pretty left-leaning city. So most people vote for the Democrat in terms of state and uh, any kind of... in fact, every single level of office, except for sometimes uh, local officials, it's always been a Democrat that they've elected. So at least, except for maybe in Reagan. In Reagan years, I think they voted for Reagan. That's so, pretty much the entire country. So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, unfortunately. So I'm not too worried. And to sum it up, I'm not too worried about my position. And if, honestly, people want to vote me out for telling the truth and doing the right thing, then that's on them. And that's that's not on me. But I, I do believe that I have to continue to get our message out, um, make sure that I communicate with everyone, and just just be open and available and transparent to my job. And then that should take care of things. Good. And that kind of brings me then to my last question, which is to make sure that more crazies don't take positions, especially yours on the school boards across the country. Mm-hmm. As someone who is now ran and served on the school board, what do you want people to do to get involved? How, how should they get involved with their school board and how should they get involved? If they want to run for school board. Absolutely. You can find me on Facebook. So, and if you want to directly contact me, if you live in Cudahy or if you live in a nearby district even. 
I am willing to try to connect you to whomever it is that we would need to be able to get you running or get you connected with the people that are running for office that are willing to, you know, sit down and listen to people and talk to people and have conversations with an open mind and not with an agenda. So if you, if you, if that sounds like you, then please head over to Michael A. Johnson for Cudahy School Board as a public group. I also have a specific Facebook page that you're willing to join or you can just contact me directly through Facebook uh, Messenger. Honestly, I think that either one of those would be great. Contact me. I will I will connect you with others. Grassroots South Shore is another group. If you want to contact us and try to get involved, we help people get elected that are like-minded and honest and decent. And I, I really would like to be able to uh, help you out if you're willing to run or help other people run. That is something that is absolutely necessary. And also make sure above and beyond just run running for office even, have conversations with your neighbors and with an open mind. Try to be reasonable and respectful of one another as you're listening so that you can actually try to come to some sort of actual answer to what's going on in in the actual uh, district right now or or your own home district for that matter. Contact the district itself and ask questions. That's what we're we're there for. We're here to try to help facilitate any kind of answers, you know, going towards you, right? Like we're not trying to be, you know, like uh, some sort of castle castle on the hills so what's you're that not, you're not a secret shadow government or a cabal or a deep <laughs> right right none of that that is just kind of funny to me almost that anybody would even think that we're trying to hide we want more people involved in fact if it wasn't covid we would we would love it if more people were able to come into the school district and help out and so people have asked us why we don't do that anymore we're like it's just because of covid we will do that in the future we're not we're not hiding anything you can come in and ask us questions. Just wear a mask when you do, please. Even if you are vaccinated, I wear a mask even though I'm vaccinated. I hate wearing the mask, but I do it anyway. But no, it's, I think that anything that you can do to be able to help people only see what's going on is going to be beneficial to our entire community and any community that, that's in the States right now. Well, Michael, I was going to ask how people can reach out to you, but you already covered that. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was absolutely fantastic. I want to thank you so much for coming on and please follow Michael's advice either if you want to get involved in the area go reach out to him michael a johnson on facebook he has an awesome page that you can follow for any local updates as well as just any cool progressive stuff as well and then just making sure that you get involved in your own school boards because it is really important if we don't get involved we're going to have more crazies take over and bad things will happen and remember think about the children (laughs) indeed But, but seriously michael thank you so much i really appreciate it thanks for coming absolutely thank you both thank you very much that was a pleasure Thank you for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ThinkProPod. You can email us at ThinkProPod at gmail.com. And remember, when in doubt, think progressively. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other life chaos has to offer. So it feels like you're doing it on purpose whenever you do that. No, I don't. Oh, why would I do it on purpose? I don't know. It's like the third time you've done it. Well, blaming competence. And it's so like confident. I know. Covering life and all the other chaos has to offer. Damn it. Ah. All right, let's try again. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering. <laughs> Hello and welcome to covering. Oh my god. <laughs> This can't continue. <laughs> okay. Well, you're making it easy for me to do the outro. No, I'm so. trying really. Do you know how hard I try not to screw because I don't want to give you any ammunition? <laughs> Damn it. All right. I can do this. <sighs> Hello and welcome to Think Progressively. Damn it. <laughs> it's in your head now. I know, it really is.